Welcome back to Tea Time Reports, everybody. It's Brandon here with you once again with another Windy City Reports episode. And I just got to start with a nice sigh. Not a relief of dismay, misery, depression, and any other word, synonym, phrase you can think of that has summed up my mood for the last six days ever since the Chicago Bears just let the Green Bay Packers come into Soldier Field and just let them out-coach the Bears, let them outperform the Bears, let them show more effort and fight than the Bears, and a whole lot more. In a season opener, in a home opener, in a game that was the most anticipated and hyped up game that honestly I can remember in my entire life as a Bears fan dating back to 2006, 2007 when I had just finally become old enough to actually follow and support a team and actually understand and have a general awareness and conscious of what's going on, you know. And this is by far, I mean, the 2018 season, 2019 season, 2020 season, we had the year we went 12-4, and four, we won the division, and the year coming into that, we didn't even have as much optimism and hope that we did for this season. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to talk like the season's over. Obviously, it's not. It's one game, but... This game was a lot of Bears fans' entire season. You know, coming in to Soldier Field, week one, the first game against the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love's coming in. Justin Fields is supposed to be so much better than Jordan Love. We made all these moves. We got all these pieces in here. It was all supposed to pan out finally. And this, this moment, this moment was supposed to be when the tides changed in this rivalry. A rivalry that we had the upper hand on for years, decades, and a rivalry that we've lost the lead on head-to-head over the last 10, 15 or so years because of Aaron Rodgers and him, his ownership of us, as you, if you will. And it was the complete opposite of what happened. Um, I, I came up with a list of words to describe this performance. Abysmal. Atrocious, utterly embarrassing, disgraceful, profound disgrace, absolute dumpster fire, and absolute colossal fuck-up of a week one performance, and any other type of synonyms that you can think of that would even add more emphasis to it. It was just bad. It was really bad. The Bears came out there and looked like they were still in preseason, and I will get into it. I will, trust me. It all goes on the coaching staff for me. It really does. The coaching staff, starting at the top with Coach Flus, did not have these guys ready. And I, oh my God, dude, this team made me eat so many words week one. I think the very first Windy City Reports episode, I started it off by doing the head coach rankings. And this guy had Eberflus as number 32, bro. And I prefaced my whole episode shit-talking that guy and shit-talking that list on why Eberflus should not be at number 32. And man, did this performance really, really make me eat my words. 
And it also came on to the last episode, predicting that we're going to come in there and handle Green Bay and win at home and, and actually shift the tides of this rivalry. I think I predicted like 31 to 17 or some shit. Man, was I wrong. And I really, and what really bothers me the most and has really just left me in such disarray throughout this week because I was going to get this episode out that same night, that same day, maybe the next day on Monday, especially if we've won. But even if we would have lost like a one-point game or like on a last-second field goal, last-second touchdown, I would have much rather had that over what happened, and I would have still been on here the next day recapping and putting this video out there, or this episode out there. But just the way we lost, the way we looked, getting booed in the second quarter, everything that went into that, and I'm even going to get into some of the stuff post-game as well and some of the comments from Fields and Flues and the coaching staff. It just added fuel to the fire, and it was just really hard to find any sense of life in myself. And I'm being, a, I'm being dramatic, but I was down bad for the majority of these last six days because of this performance against Green Bay. I really have been. It's really taken a toll on me and my mental health because I don't even have to really explain why. But it all started with the first drive. It did. The first drive, we came out, we looked good. We were moving the ball. It was positive play after positive play from Khalil Herbert, who, by the way, people need to start. I mean, yes, he had, I think, nine carries for 27 yards in this game. But you got to look into it more granular and actually watch the tape, not just look at the box store. Khalil Herbert led the league in yards for carry last year. As a rookie, Tom Brady's last year in the league, Khalil Herbert was a rookie. We came in the Raymond James Stadium. It was week eight. I was at that game. And up until that point, no running back had had, had had, have eclipsed 100 yards against that Bucks defense going into week eight that year. And who was the first running back to do that for that season? Khalil Herbert rookie running back for the Chicago Bears rushed over for 100 yards that game yes we lost 38-3 a lot of it was garbage time but still the dude's no joke he's elusive and he fights for every fucking yard and his elusiveness just almost gives him an extra yard and a half two yards per carry alone just from that and that's just something that's unteachable and is always going to hold a lot of value in the running back position where it's really hard to find value especially nowadays um not so much value from that running back, but I guess, I mean, like, sort of hold value as a running back as far as what you bring at the table and something that's really going to have the team value value you as a running back compared to just the market for running backs and how they're looked at nowadays. It all started with the first drive. That's my point. Came out looking good. Fields looked like he had made some progress instantly, like that. He was looking down the field. He was making his reads making his progressions, wasn't there, maybe he wasn't confident enough to make the throw, a little bit of both of that, I'm going to get into that, because we also saw moments where it was the complete opposite of what I'm saying, but anyways, you see him looking down the field, staying in the pocket, and making his reads, he would look to the right, not there, look to the middle, not there, then he would look all the way to the left for his last read, and check it down to the running back, to the tight end, whoever it was, we saw that on three plays of that first drive, I'm like, alright, this isn't ideal, but it's showing me that Justin's actually going through his reads 
and he might not be confident enough to make the throw, which is something that I want to see him have the confidence to do, because we all know he has the fucking arm talent. It's just the mental side of things. But it was progress, nonetheless. Then we get to midfield, and everything just halts. We have a third and one. And we move Komet and Cole Komet in motion. He lines up right behind the center, takes a direct snap, tries to do like a little tight end sneak, and we got no push. The Packers diagnosed it right away, and it was just a fucking brainless call and a head-scratching call, to say the least. Then the very next play, we try QB sneak, where we just got no push from the offensive line at all. Justin Fields got stood up. We got stopped. Khalil Herbert didn't even line up right behind Justin Fields in eye formation. He lined up to the side on the left hash, which sort of just gave it a clear indication of what was going to come at that Packers defense, and they were ready for it. And it was just right there. Those two play calls, both on third and one and fourth and inches, it was just mind-blowing and head-scratching. And from there, I'm like, oh, God. Nothing's changed, has it? And I ended up being right, and, man, it was it was a shame. And it was, that's why it was so frustrating, dude, because I really feel like if it wasn't for the coaching, this game could have been a lot different. DJ Moore had two targets. Justin Fields threw 15 screen passes. He was only There was only two pass attempts down the field for 20 or more yards than just as many for or from 10 to 19 yards. Everything else of his 37, 37 pass attempts, just north of 30 of them, were under 10 yards. What the fuck is that? And a lot of it, yes, half of it is play calling, half of it is Justin Fields just missing open receivers, missing his reads, and just doing a check down or a short little safe outlet pass, or trying to force something. And we did see him force a pick in there later on in the game as well, but this game's not all on fields and the problems that we have as of now and the problems that came out of week one are not all on fields right now if anything it is just the coaching staff in general and the lack of protection from the offensive line I mean it's just we're beating an old drum with the offensive line but that was just fucking pitiful that was the worst offensive line performance I've laid my eyes on and I know there was a lot of that throughout the NFL in week one especially with the Bengals game and the Giants game as well and those are the games that honestly made me feel a lot better about a Bears fan in that performance. But that was still, we were right there with the Giants for the worst team on any field throughout all of week one. It was just so pitiful to watch. It was still preseason. That was the, that was a preseason game for them. That's how they fucking played it. Like, that's the type of effort and energy they were playing with. And it was just a shame because we have new players and new positions and new coaches and those new players and new positions are better players. But the problems are still the same. They are. And it just uh, drives me crazy, dude. I don't know what to do anymore. And I know it's overreaction, week one, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to get into why I, I actually am fancying the Bears to actually come away with the win in tomorrow's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road at Raymond James Stadium, 1 o'clock, which I will actually be in attendance for. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. It's just, and I feel like if the boys came out to the field and the coaches gave them a fucking regular season readiness to them, for lack of better terms, it would have been a different story. Because you cannot convince me that adding DJ Moore 
even Chase Claypool with a full off season, and yes, we all know the story behind that. Then Cole Komet's better, Ro- Roshan Johnson, Deontay Foreman, Khalil Herbert's better. You cannot convince me that we could not have put out a better product and would have seen a better product on that field had the coaches had them ready and actually woke up that morning with some sense of fucking confidence. And I'm going to tell you why they had no fucking sense of confidence. Because one, after the game, offensive coordinator Luke Getze came out and said, and I quote, the offense did a lot of good things, unquote, against the Packers. Like what? What one good thing did this offense do? Your game plan was fucking shite. It was a horizontal game plan that just revolved around screens and flat throws that, one, didn't even work because Chase Claypool was out there blocking like a five-year-old fucking cheerleader. Like he's getting pushed around by cornerbacks under 200 pounds that are six foot. Chase Claypool's made in the fucking lab. He's an athletic specimen. He's a beast. Just getting pushed around by a bunch of little fucking... I say little kids, but compared to Chase Claypool, they are. And the same way that Dan Hampton, Bears Hall of Famer, ripped into Eddie Jackson, he should have ripped into fucking Chase Claypool, man. Um, It was just so hard to watch on both sides of the ball. Defense looked good in the first half, and they were putting up a fight. But what didn't look good was the fucking perfect passer rating on third down for Jordan Love and the Packers. There was at least five or six, third and 11, third and 12, even longer where Jordan Love just had no pass rush. We were rushing three, four every time. All defensive linemen barely worked. And you would see him just sit in the pocket and make a throw to a wide open receiver in an empty zone on third and long. And time and time again, you would we would have great plays from the defense on first and second. Then we would just give up on third down. And then the Bears get on offense. You have a shitty play on first down, a shitty play on third down, then they throw a fucking screen and it's incomplete or they lose five more yards. It just shows the difference in the level of the coaching on the Green Bay side and the Bear side right now. And it's just, they need to just come back to the drawing board and just reset and come out there with a clean slate. And like I said, they were looking at it as preseason. So I'm going to fucking look at it as preseason, man. Yes, that was absolutely worst case scenario for the bears but at this point you gotta accept it for what it is just fucking wipe it dry and move on you can't think about it anymore you gotta take your ass whooping be humbled the way that they did and just come out there as what's gonna be a hot hot sunny day in raymond james stadium in tampa and just show them what show the bucks show the fans show the nfl what we were expecting to see on the field from this Bears team and the changes that were implemented with this roster. And it's just, it's such a shame. And leading into more of some of the um, incompetence from the coaching staff, after the game, DJ Moore, Coach Ibaflus, was asked why DJ Moore pretty much only had two targets and those two targets were on back-to-back plays. Then he wasn't on the field for the first down on the Packers' eight-yard line right after that. And he said, why was it? And he asked, why was it? Eberflus responded, and I quote, I don't know if it was rotation or I don't know what it was. He just had a big play. I think he needed a breather. You'll have to ask him. I know there's a lot of people on him at that time. He broke 
threw a bunch of tackles and had two big plays in a row. Maybe needed a blow. Maybe it was rotation. I'm not sure on that. That is an absolutely absurd answer. You're the head fucking coach of this football team. How do you not know whether or not he needed a breather or whether or not it was rotation? Get the, get the guy on the fucking field. He just made two of your biggest plays of the entire day. Back to back, got you inside the 10 yard line. Damn on the field. And I think we still ended up scoring there. <laughs> Excuse me, but it's just the fact that the head coach doesn't even know what's going on and why his star player, his biggest addition of the fucking offseason, wasn't on the field in a critical time. It, dude, it's just, it's mind blowing and it has me at a loss of words. It really does. And just to add on to it, <laughs> excuse me, Kyler Gordon ended up fracturing his hand, got surgery either today or yesterday, I believe. It's going to be out for at least four weeks, maybe up to six weeks. That sucks. It really does. He was one of the players I was more excited to see ball out this season. You know, he had a spidey celebration, and he's moving into the slot cornerback role where he's a lot more comfortable. He's emphasized it all preseason, all training camp, and it really is – it's, it's a shame. It really is. I mean, injuries is a part of the game, but you always hate when it is a part of the game. And just to bring up some more of that, he was looking good, too. He had a tackle and one pass break it up before injuring his hand. And it's just a shame, like I said. But Greg Stroman Jr. has been signed on from the practice squad to fill in as his replacement as far as the roster spot, at least. Stroman's looked decent for us he had eight tackles one interception one pass breakup and two appearances last year with the bears one that he started and one that he did not start in but next man up type of thing um we're gonna see a lot more of um terrell lewis maybe i mean let me do we even keep him i'm having a brain fart now this is how much of a demise i've been into where i can't even i'm talking about terrell smith i'm tripping man this is how over, how all over the place my mind has fucking been lately. Yeah, so Terrell Smith's going to be getting some playing time. I would have been really pissed if we cut him. Um, I knew we didn't. I just, for some reason, I haven't seen his name or thought of his name in a while. But hopefully we're going to see some more out of him and see what he can do for us. But another guy I wanted to touch on, Darnell Wright, had his welcome to the NFL moments. I mean, lining up a cross from Rashawn Gary is never fun and is never no easy task, especially for your NFL debut. But... He looked good. I honestly did think he looked good. He had a very, very good moment um, in the red zone on the two-point conversion where he sealed off the gap and just opened up that lane for the running back to come through. And he was also our highest-rated player overall, PFF-wise, which is crazy. I think he had a 78 grade. Um, everybody else, else on our offensive line had, like, in the 40s and 50s, I think there was 160. Um, Yannick Ngakwe was another bright spot for us. A lot of rookie involvement, and rookies were pretty much the only bright spots for us in this game, which, I mean, silver lining, that's really good. Um, Roshan Johnson looked really fucking good, got his first touchdown. He came in and just sort of changed the whole momentum and the tone of the game when he entered and just completely boomsticked um, Nixon on the Packers defense just laid the fucking hit stick on him man that was fucking exhilarating and electric and energizing to watch and that's just a glimpse of what he's going to bring to this offense and I really do think he's going to be one of the head guys 
in this running back by committee, which we found out it is going to be that after the week one game. But as the season goes on, I would not be surprised if Roshan Johnson gets a lot more of involvement with that. But obviously, I got to touch on Jordan Love as well. I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, second career start. First as the official QB1 for the Green Bay Packers. Coming into Soldier Field, hostile environment. All the buildup, all the hype around it, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, replacing Aaron Rodgers, following the careers of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Came in there and did his thing. Now, he looked very, very average. I will tell you that right now. And as far as the first half, Justin Fields was outplaying him. He really was. Jordan Love was, besides his third down play, which he had a perfect passer rating on, which shout out to him for that. That's never an easy task, except for when the Bears make it easy for you the way they did. Um, he was underthrowing receivers. He was overthrowing open receivers. I wasn't impressed for the most part. And coming out of the second half, or coming into the second half, Aaron Jones just pretty much carried the Packers on his back and Jordan Love's stat line on his back to this game. Um, he was shut down the first half, close game. Then once again, the coaching, the level of coaching and the disparity of coaching between the two teams showed itself in the Packers and the floor made adjustments and came up with creative ways to get Aaron Jones involved in the offense in ways that he wasn't in the first half, and it showed right away. Touchdown on the first drive, touchdown on the second drive, back-to-back -back coming out of the uh, first half. And just to put in the perspective, though, the performance that Jordan Love was having, if it wasn't for Aaron Jones at one point before Aaron Jones went off and had like 86 yards and a touchdown on two catches from Jordan Love, Jordan Love was only 9 for 20, under 50% completion with 90-some yards and no touchdowns at one point. Then three plays later, he has one touchdown and 160, 170 yards, both from just two big plays by Aaron Jones. So just do your research, read into the game a little bit more before you start saying, oh, Jordan Love is this, Jordan Love is that, and making all these accusations and assumptions. Like Jordan Love was a very, very pedestrian quarterback against the Bears last Sunday in week one. Um, Justin Fields made some comments as well in the posting pressers regarding the offensive play calling and the coaching staff. And at the um, end quote, at the end of the day, you gotta go have, you gotta go out there, have trust in your offensive coordinator. I'm not gonna just go up to the line of scrimmage and change the whole play. When we've talked about it, we've talked about why we're running the play in a certain situation. I'm kind of mixed on that because obviously you don't want to go against the steam and what you've been practicing all week and what your offensive coordinator um, is drawing up and you have to trust him. But at the same time, you got to have the wherewithal as a quarterback to be able to understand like, okay, this isn't working. What the defense has given us isn't going to work on it. We got to, I got to make an adjustment here and make a call to change this and it's something that's going to put us in an advantageous position, you know? So that's where I kind of feel on it. But Kind of just throwing the coaching staff under the bus a little bit. <laughs> Excuse me. And there was also comments as well when he was asking about why EQ Equinemia St. Brown didn't start. He was like, I don't really know. That's not my place to call. Um, someone like EQ is great as far as blocking on the perimeter and sealing that outside for the type of plays that we like to run. Which, I mean, put two and two together. I'm not saying it was a shot at Claypool. But it, it's attributed to Claypool and 
mainly his performance, but just the performance as a whole from the exterior blocking on the screenplays and the runs and the and those types of and those types of plays that we saw. It was just it was hard to watch, but you can tell that Justin Fields was aware of the situation and did not really agree or was fully on board with what the play calling was and the offensive plan, but you know, he can only do so much and I just hope that we just don't keep wasting this guy's career and his potential. Man, I wholeheartedly believe if he was on a team like the Niners, on a team like the Eagles, he would be an MVP candidate year in and year out. He just has that talent and that moxie about him. He really does. You can go back to his Ohio State days and look at it. He threw six touchdowns against Clemson in the national, um, not the national championship, but a college football playoff game with six broken ribs. It just speaks for itself. Um, going back into the PFF grades, though, like I said, uh, I said Darnell Wright, Darnell Wright had a 78. He actually had a 72, but it was the highest on the team. And here, I'm going to read off, actually, our top five graded players. Darnell Wright, Roshan Johnson, Deontay Foreman, Tyler Scott, Khalil Herbert. Three of those are rookies. The fourth one's a new addition. That's That's concerning. It really is. Some of the lowest, Lucas Patrick, Chase Claypool, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, Cole Komet, all on offense. Half of that is the offensive line. Like, that is just inexcusable and will not win you any games ever. There was one point where all four, or not all four, four of the five offensive linemen got beat so bad that they were all facing Justin Fields trying to run back at the defenders that just blew by them. It's like, that should not be happening. And that is what Justin Fields has dealt with ever since he stepped foot into Hallis Hall at Chicago. Um, Andrew Billings looked really good. Eddie Jackson looked really good. Zach Pickens actually did look really, really good as well. I was really impressed from what I saw with Zach Pickens just really being disruptive on in the interior of that defensive line. Yannick Ngakwe looked really sharp, tackled for a loss, had a sack, was making impact plays. And Tyreek Stevenson, I was obviously going to have to touch on Tyreek Stevenson. You know I was high on him all offseason, ever since we took him. And we had his, we knew we knew the, the preseason that he had, the ups and downs. He was being attacked a lot, had his penalties, but also had some bright spots. Um, he looked good. He was all over the place as far as just tackling and putting his body on the line. Was getting targeted. Romeo Dobbs did make a hell of a contested catch and a hell of a play over him on a little fade route um, in the end zone. But it was a good throw and a good and a better catch. Stevenson really couldn't have played that any better. Um, I was impressed with what I saw with him. You know, for a first regular season game, NFL debut, it was a positive performance. And he should feel good about that performance. I feel good about his performance. Bears fans should also feel good about his performance moving on Alan Williams is not flying with the team or did not fly with the team to Tampa and will not um, obviously be making play calls on the defensive side of things coach Eberflus will be taking over the helm as calling plays as a defensive coordinator against the Bucks. and come to find out Nate Davis also did not fly with the team as well um, due to personal reasons come to find out he actually had a death in his family R.I.P. to whoever that was. And my thoughts, prayers, condolences 
go out to Nate and his entire family, all of his friends, and just the Bears organization in general. Nobody should ever have to deal with it, but it's a part of life. It's inevitable. It sucks. And I only hope for nothing but the best and hope he can sort of write, um, get back on the right track after this and use football or whatever it is to sort of get his mental back in a good spot. And it turns out this was actually some of the reasoning behind his um, absence and lack of involvement in OTAs, training camp, preseason as well, is just because of the health concern of this said family member. Um, another thing, George McCaskey scheduled an impromptu meeting at Hiles Hall just days after um, the Bears' pitiful performance, and that's something that never happens in McCaskey Hall, or in Hallis Hall, and from the McCaskies, and I don't really know what to think about it, I really don't like when the McCaskies get involved, even though they're involved in everything, obviously, but until they get rid of the team and sell it, even with Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, we're never going to take that next step with the McCaskies at the helm, I think, I, I really do think that, but who knows what this impromptu meeting would have been about. I mean, obviously, the game and whatnot, but as far as what was said, who knows. But just something interesting, something to keep an eye on, and it was just a little nugget that came out there. Excuse me. But moving on, we'll go into uh, my Week 2 preview against the against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. The Bucks are favored by 2.5 points. And the over-under, I believe, is 41 or 41 and a half. And make sure you guys check out the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers preview for this game as well that Trevor and Brady did. Um, kind of dissing us, as we should be dissed. Um, but this game is definitely not going to be a blowout. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm going to get into why I feel that way. But first off, I do want to say I do think the Bears will come out here and win this game. DJ Moore only had two targets last week. That is not going to happen again. I will promise you that right now. I will be willing to bet a lot of money on that. And he's going to be used down the field vertically as a vertical threat. So will Chase Claypool. So will Darnell Mooney. And I guarantee you that. And that's another reason why I feel like we will come away with the victory is because we will stretch the ball downfield more. And yes, this is a very, very good Bucks defense, a very good secondary that locked up for the most part a prolific, high-scoring, and elite offense in this league in the Minnesota Vikings, our division rival. But Kirk Cousins is no Justin Fields when it comes to arm talent and throwing the ball down the field. And all they really have is Justin Jefferson on that Vikings offense. I'm not saying that the Bears offense compares, the weapons compares, but as far as just overall deep threat, I like Darnell Mooney, I like DJ Moore, I like Chase Claypool in that aspect, and Justin Fields' arm, it's just a matter of we fucking design the plays for it and call those plays for it. Last time DJ Moore played the Bears, I'm sorry, last time DJ Moore played the Bucks, which was obviously with the Panthers last year, he had six catches, 117 yards, and one touchdown. DJ Moore just always, always seemed to torch the Bucks, and that was with P.J. Walker throwing the ball last year. I have no doubt in my mind that DJ Moore is going to go off. If you want a sneaky little bet, anytime touchdown for DJ Moore, book it right now. But yeah, this game is not going to be a blowout. I will guarantee you that right now. I really do. 
I say the Bears come away with a 24 to 20 victory. And I'm going to tell you this because the only reason the Bucks won last week is because they won the turnover battle. Shout out to them. But those turnovers were more so the Vikings just shooting themselves in the foot and that defense being opportunistic about it. And yes, we're talking about a Bears offense that can't even competently call the play calls and is just struggling on all fronts with that goes right now. But the Bucks play into the Bears' defensive strengths. Last week, the um, the Bucks only had 2.2 yards per carry, and that offense is going to be a lot more evenly matched with Chicago than someone like the Green Bay Packers were. Um, but the Bucks were pretty much nearly split 50-50 in terms of time of possession with the Vikings last week. And only put up 127 um, less yards than the Vikings did, who basically gave the game away. Um, the Bears' secondary had their moments last week, yes. But as far as chunk plays and big plays in the air down the field, the Bears really did a good job at limiting that. And they more so suffered from the inability to stop runs, um, stop chunk plays in plays where it was just short runs or short plays in the air um, and this they weren't really able to stop the, sh the run game in the short yardage plays whether it was third down and short first down and short um, I'm sorry second down and short my mind's a little bit all over the place if you can't tell I've had a lot of processing a lot of thinking to do about this I'm a little intoxicated right now getting ready for this game tomorrow so I'm a little all over the place I apologize I've had a lot of thoughts to sort of gather through this head um, with everything that's gone on this last week. I really have. But back to what I was saying. The Bucks sort of play into the strength, the only strength that the Bears defense did have last week, which was just limiting the big play. And the one thing that hurt us, like I said, was the yards per carry and the short yardage plays. The Bucks did a very, very poor job at that last year. Um, then another thing, I think with Iberflus calling the plays, we're going to sort of retool the defensive plan. So instead of having the three to four defensive linemen rushing, I think we're going to start bringing five to six, an extra linebacker, an extra DB, um, and just more so trust the experience of Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson at the back end of our secondary to make plays and lock it down to allow the blitz to get there. So that way we can actually see what a Yannick Ngakwe can do. Um, we can see what a Demarcus Walker can do. And... As far as back on the offensive side of things, we just got to air out the ball, like I was saying. That horizontal passing shit did not work. Getsy needs to have more trust in fields. He needs to have more trust in his offense and his playmakers. And we got to get fields out on the fucking run some more. We got to move him around. We got to use his strengths. There's a lot of subtle aspects to the offensive scheme that need to change. And it's going to start with that. And if we can do that then it's really going to put Fields in this offense in an advantageous position, and it's really going to bring out the best of it, and I think that's what's going to lead to a victory here. Um, but we got to limit the turnovers. we got to limit the turnovers. That's what's going to be the biggest thing. If we lose a turnover batter, battle, we're going to lose this game. And with a defense like the Bucks and the way the offense of the Bears performed, it is something that concerns me, but like I said, I'm viewing this game the same way I think the fucking... Um, I'm viewing this game as this is week one for our regular season. I don't want it to be that way. I wish it wasn't that way, but I think that's how the fucking Bears just did it for some reason, like I said. 
last week was their preseason, and now this is week one for them. So I'm just wiping clean, clean slate, dry erase board, blank. You start now. Start all over, and we really bring to the table what we were supposed to showcase last week with the new weapons and Justin Fields in another year of this offense, and I think that will happen. I think DJ Moore is going to go off. I think this defense is going to perform a lot better. The veteran presence, the veteran leadership that's on this team comes from the defense. And I'll tell you what, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, even Jaquan Brisker, they did not like getting slapped around like that. Even TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds in their first game as a Bear trying to change the culture of that defense and be leaders for years to come. They did not like getting slapped in the mouth like that. So they're not going to come out and let something like that happen again. And I truly do believe that. With that being said, that is all I got for you guys right now. I need to get to sleep. I need to wake up early to be out there tailgating, getting turned, getting crazy for my Bears as I watch them win 24-20 to 20 tomorrow. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Like I said, make sure you check out that Bears um, and Bucks um, side of things preview that Brady and Trevor did. Uh, make sure you tune in to Instagram at Tea Time Reports. Make sure you tune in to TikTok, YouTube, X as well at Tea Time Reports. Then I also myself started a Bears page called Bear Downski, B E A R D O W N S K S K I. Bear Downski. Give me a follow at that. I'm going to be posting news updates and sort of have it go hand in hand with this Windy City Report series just to sort of get some more content out there grow the community with Bears fans some more and just really dive into another aspect of my fandom that I haven't done before. So make sure you give that a follow as well. Thank you all for tuning in once again. And as always, bear the fuck down.